Hello, and welcome to the Area 831 podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gaither. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Stansel. Before we get into today's episode, please take a moment to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Area 831 Podcast. That's where you'll be able to check out some of the behind-the-scenes content, as well as find out when our next episode will be dropping. It's also where we can see your feedback about the show. Tell us what you think. Let us know if there's someone you think we should be talking to. I'm pretty excited about our first real episode today. We have James Durbin joining us. You probably know him best from season 10 of American Idol. And we're having him on this show because he's not only from Santa Cruz, he still lives in Santa Cruz County. He's quite active with his band, The Lost Boys, but there's a lot more to James than that. And let's go talk to James and find out. Hey, James, how's it going? Going good, Michael. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very well. Thanks for uh, being one of our very first interviewees on the uh, the podcast. And Emily, good morning to you as well. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We are good. Fresh. I'm fresh. Fresh. Fresh is a good. That's a that's a positive word. So. <laughs> this is really cool. I think you know most of the people listening. Obviously, they're here to listen to you. Let's go through a few basics. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the heart of Live Oak. Uh, stone's throw from the Capitola Mall. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Born and raised in Santa Cruz. Grew up in the same house for my entire life and uh, and have almost lived in a different house every year since then, up until wow. more, recent, more recent history. Wow. Nice. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of houses. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a lot of moves, but, uh, you know, the gypsy lifestyle, you know, you get you get bit by a gypsy and you can't help but uh, live on the roam. So it's it's kind of that uh, that touring mentality. But uh, I'm I'm. I'll be happy if I never see another moving box again. Um, but uh, <laughs> where's your favorite place that you've lived? Um, I I think it's where I currently live, which is in Watsonville. Um, the Ville, woohoo! The the Ville, South County. Uh, for those that don't like to call it Watsonville, one of our friends that lives out here calls it uh, Southeast La Selva. <laughs> or, uh, or, 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 or far, a, you know. Three quarters of this crew here is from is from Watsonville, and I was actually born and raised in Watsonville. Gets a bad rap, but uh, South County pride. Yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful here. I love the speed of everything here. Um, one of the big selling points on where we live is uh, is that we can see the um, Mount Madonna, the mountain range, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the music that I'm writing in the last several years is in the classic heavy metal, traditional heavy metal sense. And uh, really inspired by um, Ronnie James Dio, especially, and his kind of vision is the way that I look about my everyday world is that I choose to see the magic in my everyday surroundings. Oh, I love that. There's nowhere that I've been that is so consistently magical, like to my eyes than, uh, than right here in Watsonville. Nice. Here's a tangent. I just saw the Dio documentary on Showtime. Have you seen that? I that was saw it in the theater. Yeah. Oh my god, that was amazing. He was obviously an influence, wasn't he? Oh, a huge influence on me. Yeah, uh, a massive influence. If you listen to my um, my Durbin solo uh, album, uh-huh. uh, it's uh, it's it's very heavily, very heavily influenced by Dio. Nice. I think he's I think he's perennially underrated too. I think those of us that are fans know what a big deal Ronnie James Dio was, but for those that don't, you're right. He, he got this uh, this uh, label of sort of like writing devil music, but it, no, he was looking for magic in life, and that's what he wrote about. Yeah, and you can see those traces back all the way uh, when he did his time in Elf, 
uh, right. and then Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, uh, eventually Black Sabbath, eventually Dio, um, mm. and then uh, going back to Black Sabbath, but re relabeling it Heaven and Hell. To uh... I'm loving this deep cut music nerd heavy metal conversation <laughs> we're right into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I feel like the Dio era of Black Sabbath. Like for one, Dio. A lot of people. There's two camps. There's like Black Sabbath was better with Dio than Ozzy, and then there's the opposite. Right, they were where different. They were they're very different. different. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, I agree. I I got to see Heaven and Hell at the San Jose Civic, I think, uh, wow. like in o oh eight oh nine, something like mm -hmm. that. And yeah. um, it was the other than uh, Ronnie, um, most of the other guys were like <laughs> having a hard time, but Ron, like he belted it out. Um, so it was impressive to see. Yeah, Ronnie had he he didn't have any other um gear than like full gear. <laughs> full gear was always his gear and and I'm I'm yeah. always amazed by uh I listen to some I I constantly have YouTube open and when I'm supposed to be doing other work um I'm 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 constantly going back and just checking out little things and and you'd think that you know as a singer as a performer that you know your your voice is an instrument and that instrument can waver with you know the weather or overuse but his never did like even the last show that he performed there's footage of it on youtube and and his voice is still at full form even though the guy is is literally like in the process of dying of cancer his like stomach cancer, his, yeah. his his voice is still like ever present and and it's just like it's it's crazy it's 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 so inspiring and also just baffling it's like similar guys of that kind of era paul rogers sammy hagar like these guys that are in their 70s their mid pushing late 70s are still you know um belting at at, at the top form especially paul rogers like he still sings all of the bad company material in mm -hmm. its original key um which is you know baffling <laughs> like i i'm i'm considering tuning down some of my current songs that i wrote two <laughs> years ago and i'm like oh god how am i gonna sing that and then i think of like oh well meanwhile paul rogers is still belting so as long as i stick with in a certain range hopefully uh hopefully i'm doing myself a good service for the future i got to see paul rogers on the on the, the queen tour he did one year and he 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 managed his own quite well yeah, I I really love what Paul did with the Queen material. He really yeah brought his own thing to it and pulled out the blues yeah. in it. Uh, I was fortunate enough um, when I was fronting Quiet Riot, we played the Rock Legends cruise uh, that was headlined by Bad Company with Paul and um, Sammy Hagar in the Circle, and getting to spend time literally sitting you know at his feet, like I, I felt like a disciple. Um, just sitting there and listening to him and then getting to speak with him uh, before one of his other sets um, and just knowing the longevity that he's had. And I mean, the guy walking around, Paul Rogers, you know, he's got his little cup of tea. He's got his little hat on forward and he's walking around with his nice little his wife. And they're just, you know, this old British couple like and, normal, and... like normal, polite little old British. Folks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just very, very kind and just uh, wonderful <laughs> to meet you. I've, I've heard wonderful things. Um, uh, he's not from Liverpool, but he. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it works for the podcast. Yeah. It always goes to Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just close your eyes and, and you know imagine, uh. um, and and just talking to him and and uh, 
And then he's like, well, I've got to go to work. And he kisses his wife. He takes a last sip of tea, puts it down, turns his hat backwards, grabs his mic stand, steps on stage, throws his mic stand in the air, catches it in a twirl. Whoa! And just like, <laughs> this guy just shaved off 50 years. Yeah. Like in an instant from like side stage to on stage. And it's, you'd never know that it was the same person. Just turns it on. He's parsing his energy for the, for the stage. You know? Yeah. It's, it's. It's I don't know it's something else. Yeah, can I ask you about technique? Uh, and when we, we want to talk focus on you, but people like like that, like like um, Paul Rogers, and obviously people like Dio and you have this obviously an innate ability to sing like that. But when you were younger and you heard Dio and he was an, an inspiration and an influence, what did you do to kind of tell yourself I want to sing like that? I mean, you must have had some natural ability, but how did you develop that without you know like like when I hear Lemmy from Motorhead, I just get a sore throat hearing you know people like singing like that what did you do to like go along that path and be able to do that and, and sustain your voice well before i talk about me thank you for mentioning my name in a uh, uh same sentence as paul rogers and dio um Absolutely. uh the side note for lemmy you know when when your day begins and ends with an eight ball and um uh, of, of cocaine and speed uh you know how many packs of cigarettes and jack daniels you kind of just go with the flow yeah he had a protocol he definitely had a protocol come for... out <laughs> exactly he I, sang, was, I wasn't he putting him like on the same bass. level as dio but it's like huh. that screechy kind of voice <laughs> you know? i mean but in his own right he definitely is mentioned you know within those same uh sentences yeah. because yeah, like, i mean he's he, recognizable he, Right, yeah. like, but his, you know. his his voice sounds like his bass playing. You know, they're they're they go tandem. Right, but right. but for me for me vocally, when I the first metal song that I heard was "Holy Diver" by Ronnie James Dio. Oh yeah, and I was at such a impressionable age, probably fourteen, fifteen, um, and I had already been singing. I I loved singing. My dad was a musician. He was a bass player in Santa Cruz, and he died when I was really young. But that in a way his passing was part of my you know musical evolution it was it was like my my backstory um like a superhero uh, and so like that was that thing that was my radioactive spider bite that <laughs> inspired me to want to be a musician to be to to feel that closeness to my dad and so mm -hmm. the more that i cuz i knew how beloved he was uh, in the local music scene, and I had always heard that, okay, it was the way that he played. No one played bass like him. Uh -huh. And so I knew that, like, people would go see shitty bands to hear him play bass, the way that he played bass. Wow. And, and the way that he played around whatever band he was playing in. And so it was like, he was his own spectacle. But I I know that there was this 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 synergy this place that you go to in music and and i know that they they showed it in the uh, pixar movie soul is like you literally go to this other place this out of body experience this uh -huh. this manifestation of the the music and the feeling of it and i wanted to find that i wanted to experience that and i knew oh, that if nice. i could find that i could find my dad there <laughs> and wow. it's, it's it's hard to explain but like I, that's how i feel oh really it um, totally makes sense yeah, that's really exciting. And so, yeah. Thank you. And so I just started um, just enveloping as much music as I could. And I wanted to do choirs. And my sisters were doing uh, musical theater in high school at SoCal High. And so I went to their plays and uh, saw the first one. And, and I think it was Damn Yankees. And I fell in love with 
there's the stage they're above everybody we're watching them we're watching and they're not themselves they're portraying other people they're putting on the facade of of something else and and at that time i was experiencing growing up with um as we would later find out was tourette syndrome and asperger's high functioning autism um under the uh, neurodivergent umbrella and so i already felt not like i didn't know who myself was <laughs> and seeing that people could portray others on stage and then also sing and then also portray that different voice um just bit me and i fell in love with it so i did a bunch of choirs did a bunch of musical theater and then when i discovered dio uh the theatrics is what stood out to me like the yeah. eyes of the cat in the black and blue something is coming yeah. for you like there's the meaning is hidden within the theatrics and within this fantasy world and there's whatever meaning you want to pull from it is whatever it means to you and so like i i still have no idea what a holy diver is but uh you look at the album cover and it's a catchy it. tune it's, it's a, a catchy, catchy tune, tune and, it, and it makes you think um and and it doesn't you get lost in it so right um that was so hearing that too yeah. exactly and, and so i i heard that that theatricality in his voice and i already had that from you know playing uh different roles in theater and so that was also at the cusp of me hearing metal me hearing rock music uh classic rock most notably um was right when my voice was starting to change so I realized that, okay, I'm already a tenor. I don't want my voice to drop down and for me to get, you know, too many lower octaves. Like I want to gain octaves. Once I heard mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin, once I heard Queen, once I heard Journey and Foreigner, and once I heard Dio and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, um, like I wanted to go that way. I want like, I wanted to go plant. Yeah. I didn't want to go down to Jim Morrison. Right. Later, I'd realize like there's so much brilliance in Jim Morrison, and then being able to gain a lower octave right. or two uh, can really help um, with just performance and and musical expression. And so, like that was really was my building blocks. My building blocks were you know, first growing up was with uh, the Jacksons and Soul and, and Motown which I loved and still love. Um, and then going from there to musical theater um, and even in the musical theater, like there's a um, musical theater uh, Broadway performer named Drew Sarich. And it was his portrayals of uh, Jesus and Judas respectively in Jesus Christ Superstar um, and performing in Germany and in Austria and like hearing his performances on YouTube and the way that he got to his scream. And it was kind of like, he was the bridge between my theater and my metal. And he was performing theater, uh, musical theater compositions with a metal mindset. And his scream just was mm. blood curdling and heart piercing and like so powerful. And that was what I kind of aimed for. Um, it was kind of like a mixture between like Jared Leto's top end guttural scream and like um, Rob Halford's more operatic. Mm. And uh, that's where I, I was like, I want to live there. Can I, I just want to <laughs> live there. So uh, my mom was taking care of her mother who was sick and I was home a lot uh, by myself. And so I parked myself in front of the computer, in front of YouTube, turned on the speakers, would put on all these different singers, found all these different metal singers from over the years. And I'd listen to their high notes and I'd listen to how they got there, mm. how they stayed there, how they came off of it, what their tone was 
from being in all these different choir programs, I knew about tone from being in theater. I knew about like matching tone, like when you're singing with another person, especially like a male and a female singing together, I loved and still love like being able to match my tone to somebody else's tone. Uh, and so yeah. I learned that through theater and through choir and applied that to learning how to scream, how to yeah. get to these high notes and how to, you know, maintain it and not, not do it in just a, um screaming. head voice way <laughs> right. or yeah not just yeah. screaming or not just like ah! you know head right. voice but like mixing chest voice and head voice and how much power i could put behind it without losing my voice or throwing yeah. out my voice and so, uh so theater yeah. so theater and choir really gave you like the foundation and some of the, the theory and then you just kind of you put in your ten thousand hours quite early to figure this out it was that and then uh and then karaoke yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was a, I was a staple of the local karaoke scene. So, so which, where, where did you sing karaoke? I say I started singing karaoke my first time I actually sang karaoke, which is really funny. Um, I was invited by uh, a family friend uh, from church, um, which ended up being my wife's mom. Oh, that is funny. So mm -hmm. yeah, my, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law invited me to uh, to go sing karaoke when I was like 12 and wow. yeah and sang it for the first time then didn't sing it for a couple years and then met a buddy in high school and he was like oh i go sing karaoke down at the fog bank in the capitola village um which is now the sandbar and so i went down there they had karaoke's on mondays tuesdays and thursdays and minors could be in there until like 7 30 which worked perfect for us because we also loved uh wwe and pro wrestling so which which had shows on Mondays and Thursdays at the time. And so we'd go down there, we'd go to the village, we'd get in our songs, we'd entertain, whatever, bada boom, bada bang. We'd go back to my mom's house, we'd stop by Little Caesars, we'd grab a, you know, six ninety nine special of a pizza and a two liter, and we'd go watch wrestling. And uh, what a perfect evening. <laughs> it, it was it was wonderful. It was uh it was yeah, it was the it was the most bromantic thing we could have done as teenage boys. <laughs> And so then at a certain <laughs> point, I had been going to the fog bank so many times, so often that the bartenders were like, James, yeah, he can stay. Like, so I started staying later and later and later. And so like, you know, they'd, uh, a cop would come do the, the sweep and they'd be like, James, go, go in the bathroom. <laughs> and so I'd go in the bathroom and then I'd start saying later and later as I got older and older and, and, uh, you know, but I'm hanging out at the fog bank in the bar, but just singing karaoke, not drinking or doing right, any other right. nefarious things, but like just entertaining and, uh, performing and performing in front of a crowd. And, you know, like these, this bar would get pretty packed on certain nights, um, especially in the summertime. And, and then, uh, I would go to the flea market on weekends and sing karaoke there on Saturdays and Sundays. And I started riding my bike there early. I'd help the, the guy there, Dennis that ran it. I'd help him set up. He had a huge setup. So I learned about how the system ran. I learned about how, um, all of that happened. And, uh, he had a costume box and I'd like put costumes on and run around the flea market and like get people to come over there and, and, um, eventually I started working karaoke, uh, a few years later, um, before idol. And that was great too, because like being a host, being an MC, bringing people up, you know, building people up and it was, it was fun. It was fulfilling. You know, I, I, I hit up all of pretty much every worthy karaoke show around town. There was nice. the fog bank. There was Michael's on main surf froggy's pub, JJ's, 
um the boardwalk bowl of course uh -huh. ideal uh bar and grill down by the wharf um yeah. those were yeah. great shows in the summertime uh, out at the tiki bar uh the hind quarter um I think that's it. There might be more, but yeah, um, yeah I, I hit up. I don't think I realized so many places had karaoke here. <laughs> yeah, it was, there still is. I think that, you know, there's less of a, more of less of a, what was then a scene of yeah, like, you had right. your locals, you had your regulars. Um, there's still a couple uh, hangers on uh, at the, at the boardwalk. As a musician, I'll, as a musician, I'll say, uh, it's cheaper than hiring a band, but uh, it does get people involved. <laughs> it does get people involved. James and I were talking for those of you listening at home. Um, years ago, I was uh, asked to, to judge a, a karaoke contest at Surf Bowl. And this one young man came up and nailed Bohemian Rhapsody. And James and I were trying to figure out if it was James. And I think it might have been or it might not have been. We're not quite sure. Yeah, we're not sure. But I was I definitely did a uh, competition at the Surf Bowl. Right. And um i definitely did one there uh it was for santa cruz star makers okay so this it, is it, different yeah okay yeah it aired on uh the local access channel i remember that yeah and uh yeah i wore horns <laughs> i remember that <laughs> uh for some reason i was a weird teenager um but yeah uh yeah there was there was some strange ones anytime that there was like a karaoke competition uh-huh there was some serious uh seriously competitive people that built it was it was and props and it was it was intense it was not we can swear on the pockets right oh holy shit it was like I, there was a we, there was a woman who did i remember who did a country song and we all you know and we i she was fine and then somebody else was singing and she walked up behind me and i believe richard stockton and one of the other and she was yelling at him and i i looked over and i'm like she was seriously pissed, wasn't she? And Richard goes, "Dude, people take this really seriously." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's their it's their five seconds of uh, of local fame. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, pe know. people do anything for the uh, for the limelight, which is pretty scary. Um, but yeah. luckily, I didn't really run competitions. I, I you know, uh, it was it was kind of a tough place to be being a karaoke host and being you know the uh, right as as he said uh, humbly, uh, the best singer in the room. Um, but it's, it's just us you know, talking it's fine yeah <laughs> no one this isn't going out to you know the world but um yeah it's i've i you know i've i've learned to be humble about it and i don't i don't talk about myself that way but um uh, in in this in this sentence yes it was uh being in a bar full of drunk people that sing and the being, low bar being yeah. the only singer you know right. Uh, right. in a in a room of drunk people that sing right. uh, <laughs> is a is something that's it's, a good way to, that's a that's a very pragmatic humble way to put it huh? yeah yeah hey why don't we emily won't you run some of the, i'm kind of hog on the conversation you want to take some of the questions too so it's sure quick, sure yeah, it's so i was going to ask i james i think you just said so you used to you work behind the scenes on american idol first before you auditioned is that is that kind of what you started to say oh no no um i was doing the karaoke stuff before i auditioned for idol. oh okay um, okay. But okay. I did I did audition for Idol back in 2008. I auditioned for season eight um, and didn't make it past the first round. I auditioned in San Francisco at the really? Palace. And wow. yeah, didn't make it past the first mm -hmm. round. Um, I was working with somebody, uh, coincidentally, from the local karaoke scene that uh, had auditioned before and thought that he knew, um, you know, the do's and don'ts and was like mm. trying to like 
groom me for idol and uh you should wear a scarf and you should do this and and like <laughs> and i'm like uh looking back on it i'm like oh my god um and then I... van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh yeah pretty much um, so what's it what's it like auditioning because obviously for those of us that were at home watching i mean i was in middle school and high school and i watched almost every year i think when i was watching it was Randy Jackson and Simon Cowell. Um, and I think maybe when you, the season that you were on, it wasn't Simon Cowell anymore, but anyway, um, for those of us that were at home, you know, we're watching, there's all these backstories to the few people that they show during auditions, but it was always lines down the block. And what was your experience like the first time? And then the second time when you, um, you know, when you got selected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the very first time, uh, the very first audition, and I believe it's different now because of, um, because the, the pool is, it's not stagnant. It's, uh, there's different pools. Um, mm -hmm. but back then it was just American Idol. So I think uh, our season, let me start with 2008. In 2008 for season eight, uh, that was the year that Chris Allen won. Adam Lambert was runner-up. So mm. that season was before, I, th I think, America's Got Talent was happening um, as far as competition shows, but there was no X Factor yet. There was no The Voice. Um, it was just Idol. Right. That's what you had for Idol, uh, for singing. And so it was huge. It was massive. There was probably 20,000 people, 15,000 people out trying to audition to get onto American Idol in San Francisco alone. Wow. Um, I remember when I, we waited in line, super long, grueling process of waiting in line just to get a wristband. And then you have to keep that wristband safe. We wrapped it in like gauze and, you know, put a sticker <laughs> on it and uh, no joke. And so nothing would happen to it. Not a scratch, not a right. bump. No one's going to come and like cut it off of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you wait in line for, you know, probably 10 hours to get a wristband. And then you come back a couple of days later and wait in line again to get uh, admitted yeah. into the Cow Palace. And then there's different tents and different booths. And at each booth, there's um, a table. And at each table, there's two producers um, that work on the show. And those are the people that you sing for first. They're kind of fielding, you know, who has an inkling of talent here. And... So I sang for that original audition. What did I sing? I sang Faithfully, maybe? I sang Journey. And then they asked me for, to sing another song. And I didn't have a second song prepared. So I sang the last song that I heard, which was another Journey song. And they're just, you know, they've been listening mm -hmm. to people sing all freaking day. They're just, you know. And they're in San Francisco, I might add. So it's probably lots of Journey, right? I'm, I'm sure it is. Right? Yeah. I didn't, I never put that one together, but I yeah, I'm sure. uh, yeah, I sang wheel in the sky next. And so, um, they were like, Oh, are you, are you a journey tribute singer? What's going on here? So then, you know, they were like, they saw panic in me and I couldn't handle it well. And, and, uh, the Tourette's was coming out, uh, with the stress. And so they, uh, they said, no, thank you. And, um, yeah. so I kind of said like, all right, whatever. Um, that's not right for me. And so I just, went back and did bands and all that sort of thing. Actually, I got to mention in the two days between getting the wristband and get going to the audition, um, I had a studio session as a studio musician booked in Oakland, um, getting to work with uh, the legendary Alan Parsons. 
Um, wow. That would, that would come into play more recently as I have a cut on uh, Alan's most recent album um, and just got back from working with him uh, again. So <laughs> super cool. Um, those were yeah. kind of like the building blocks of that. Um, but I um, came back home, you know, did bands and all that sort of thing in the next couple of years. And then it was uh, Simon Cowell was leaving the show and they were bringing in Steven Tyler jennifer lopez uh to go with randy jackson and i was like wow steven tyler might like me because uh-huh. I, I i sure as hell like him and yeah. um he was a, a huge inspiration uh still is and vocally performance wise um uh, not mentally uh but <laughs> he's a genius but you know genius yeah. is good um i <laughs> <laughs> love you steven um but he, I, I, I thought that he'd get me. I don't think Simon Cowell would have got me. I think I, I, it's I a good just, point. I just don't think he would have. Well, like me. in that list of influential singers, Tyler to you, Tyler belongs in that list as well. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's on the, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, I just think that he would have understood. So, uh, I got it in my head that I wanted to audition again. And, uh, I had a son and I had a fiance and, uh, my fiance, my wife, um, Heidi, she encouraged me to do it. You want to do this. I believe you can wholeheartedly. And, and she was big into, and still is big into the secret and, uh, the law of attraction and, um, uh, the power of intention. And she would write sticky notes and post them around our little tiny one bedroom apartment. Uh, the cheapest apartment we could find in Santa Cruz, which is nine twenty-five a month at the time. And, uh, Three thousand a month now. Yeah, yeah. yeah nine twenty-five is maybe a tool shed. You know, maybe you know. Yeah. Well, it kind of was, and it was uh, in in uh, uh, very close uh, proximity to the Tiffany Stalker, as we later found out. Um, who who also is a you might want to have him on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll see where that one goes. Uh, There's a list of potential guests. Maybe he doesn't belong. <laughs> I mean, hey, he's, he's got a documentary about him, so that's that's more than I can say. He probably but... has followers. We can probably talk to. Him. Is that a uh, two Fs in Tiffany? It's <laughs> <laughs> the producer going. Here's this. Here's this. Yeah. No, I know where he goes to church too. So, um, I'm sure he still lives there. Uh, but. So we were living there and she'd put up all these little sticky notes and, and she'd practice with me and, and help me to think of like, oh, which song would be a good audition song. And I ended up with, um, I ended up with You Shook Me by Led Zeppelin, um, or Muddy Waters originally, and um, just classic 12 bar blues and the way that Robert Plant does it is he hits this great, beautiful note. And the way that I do it is I hit that note even harder. And uh, longer, you know, and, and more emphasis and give it my my own flair and my own stamp. And I thought that that would be a good, it shows soul, it shows R&B, it shows rock, it shows a little bit of metal. And and if they asked for another song, I'd ask Steven Tyler his permission if I could sing Dream On. I was, and, yeah, yep. And so <laughs> I had that intention, knew what I was going to do. But that's if I made it to the judges, because I knew that there's a big catacall audition, but I didn't know what happened after that. So came time for auditions. I put in a request at work. I was delivering pizzas for Domino's and Capitola and put it in a request for uh, the days off to go audition. And they denied my request. So um, I basically had it in my head. Well, I'm going to call in sick or I'm going to quit. 
and there's other jobs in town. So the day before auditions, I go to work like it's any other day, um, you know, prepared in the back of my head, like I'm going to, you know, not going to be here tomorrow um, and kind of, you know, tell them one more time. And um, the owners, Jim and Mary, called everybody into the back kitchen. And there was people there that weren't even working that day. And they said, all right, everybody, uh, you're probably wondering why we've gathered everybody here today. Um, we're running our business on no money. We're fleeing the state, uh, basically. Like, um, And, uh, you know, we're moving back to Ohio and uh, tomorrow. And everybody's out of a job at the end of the day. And I was like, holy shit, this is like come on fantastic power of intention you yeah. know yeah. i didn't mean to intend everybody losing I was gonna their say, job. Yeah. it was just me hey don't look at me everybody but you know um somebody ended up opening the same location open again and hired back everybody that wanted uh, to be hired back so um that was good uh for them and um god it was crazy i went home just like i, I don't have to worry anymore right. about this and so we well, it took to the all the stress of audition of that piece of the audition away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. About like, oh shit, am I losing my job because I'm here? Uh, no I worries. I already lost wait, my job. I don't have one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I'd say I said unemployed on my they, audition. I thought you were gonna say that they called everybody back there and it was gonna be the <laughs> surprise like send off for you for your audition. <laughs> no, they <laughs> but... didn't give it. They didn't give two shits about me. Um, uh, which they is fled the state. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah, they like... fled the state to avoid being audited. But. Yeah. Um, and what year was this, James? This, this was, was 2010 like... when okay. the audition happened. Gotcha. Uh, the season ended up being 2011. Was season 11? Right. Um, on Fox, and so I went to the uh the audition, the first one, the cattle call with with my fiance with Heidi, and we waited in the cold. We drove up to San Francisco. We parked. We slept for two hours, and we went to um AT and T Park. Um, what is it now? Um. I forget what it's called now, uh, where the Giants play. And mm -hmm. so um, we go out there, we wait in line with 17 and a half thousand people. Wow. Um, more than the Cow Palace. Uh, it was open air. I get our mm. wristband. We go home. We hang out. We come back. Um, a total, in order to sing for the, the opportunity to sing for 30 seconds, we waited a total of 30 hours. Wow. wow. And how many cities do they typically do these in? At the time... Six? At the time, they were doing probably eight. Okay, it's all the major eight, ones. Eight, eight, or yeah. ten eight times, cities. eight times close to twenty thousand people. That's a lot of people to sift through. Man. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so I sang the first song that I sang. Once it came time for me to sing, I sang. It wasn't even you shook me. I sang um, "Who's Loving You" by Michael and the Jacksons, and mm -hmm. original key, so I could wail. You know, I could right. the notes uh, at the time. And, uh, and then after that, you know, I was, I was kind of into country at the time and, um, kind of modern country at the, at the, at the time, uh, and sang a Keith Urban song. And because I, I had actually won a country idol, KRTY, um, hmm. 95.3 KRTY yeah. country station in San Jose. I had won a country idol competition at the hmm. San Jose flea market, um, nice. for them. And was making a making a kick at that and uh so they were like okay well are you a rockish singer are you a country singer what are you and so they held me and they let other people sing and they held me and one other guy his name was bruce he had one hand painted uh his nails and on his thumb he had a little penguin 
and uh, the devil's in the details. And Bruce sang Barbara Streisand, and they said, sing like it's the last time you'll ever get to sing. And I remembered mm. this, and I forget who said it, but it's basically like you, you've been hit by a bus, you're laying out in the street. I think it's from the, the uh, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash mm. uh, film. But you've been hit by a bus, you're out in the street, you know, you've, you've got one song to sing before, you know, uh, uh, St. Peter takes you away or, or you're you know, done. Send, yeah. sends you down. And, and so I just dug my heels in and, and tried to fight back tears and was just like dug in with You Shook Me. And mm. when I, I kind of rushed through the first part, you shook me, baby, shook me all night long, shook me, baby. And then when I get to the, you shook me so far, baby. And then I hit a, I'm not going to do a full voice right now, but I hit it and just like put every ounce of my fiber and my being in it and i felt the presence of my wife staring at me from wherever she was that she, i wanted to sing it so loud and so emotionally that she could hear me that it would just break any shred of doubt in these producers minds that i wasn't right for this show and mm -hmm. when i came out of it and and finished out the run and opened my eyes back up I looked over and I just knew and I looked over and I saw Heidi with her hands over her mouth. <laughs> I looked next to me at Bruce and Bruce was like, whoa. And I could like, I, I knew that heads had turned and people were looking and, and I had caused like a stir in the middle at the bottom of the field. I was um, a right field uh, at AT&T park. Um, and I just felt this this moment. It was just yeah. like, you know, and I could just I, I just felt like this weight had been lifted off of me. And the producers yeah. looked at me and I was crying and they were like, OK, we can tell that took a lot out of you, but you gave all that you had. And we think that you deserve to go to the next round. So they gave me a golden nice. ticket um, to awesome. go on. And I was just like winded had no just like oh my god and i start doing cartwheels uh down the uh, outside track of the field and then i start doing the moonwalk and i'm just so excited and i get yelled at by security for kicking up dust uh onto the grass yeah the but field. how often are you gonna get to moonwalk at at&t park you know exactly I, I haven't gotten the chance to do it again, uh since um and that was like that was that you know starting big starting moment where mm -hmm. i get to go to the next round and yeah. little did i know that there was several rounds uh to go after that before i would see the judges um many more trips to san francisco to uh there was i think three more producer auditions after that wow before even wow. performing for the judges that's a grueling audition process the, yeah it was it was very very intense i think now because there's been so many seasons and they're doing them more often mm -hmm. um they don't do as deep as a process and i think that they have like flowed over from like say People that auditioned last season that didn't make it past a certain round, they'll call them back mm -hmm. for this season. Yeah, they probably have like also rounds they didn't have room for and they want to pull them back in. They, they probably look for some diversity too. And like, they do Zoom auditions and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. it's it's a much different process. Uh, yeah. I, I believe it's a much smaller process. Yeah. Um, is yeah, Idol as big is Idol as popular as it used to be because there's some of the other other shows now or is it? No, it's it's not as popular as it used yeah, to be. It's it's yeah. still very popular. Um, for for ABC, sure. Um, you know it's it is a big uh, 
big thing for sponsors and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But when we were doing it, we had, you know, an average of 40 million viewers a week. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. It was. Be before TikTok. I mean, yeah, it's uh... before it, yeah. like they gave us Twitters, you know, they yeah. verified our Twitters and gave us verified right. Twitters. And now people have, you know, they give them a verified Instagram. As soon as you're on the show, your followers shoot up to over 300,000. And I'm like, wow, I earned my 17.7, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember getting the, um, having the phone numbers pop up on the bottom of the screen, right. you know, to text who you, who you vote for. And that was such a big deal. You know, it'd be, it was such a, it was such an experience that my friends and I would have, you know, it was this ritual that we would do every week or how often, right. It was once a week that it would air, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. And there was no, there was no Netflix or I, maybe there was DVR. It was, it was mailing. <laughs> you had to be there to watch yeah. it. Yeah. You had to watch it at the time, you know? So it was yep. such a, it was, it was so fun, but I remember that having to text it, you know, on our flip phones and, texted our vote it was it was so much fun i loved yeah. watching that show yep. I, I, I will say james sorry real quick um yeah. you know before you before your your time on idol like the only other in my mind rocker was chris daughtry right and he was like five years before you mm -hmm. and the show predominantly is like pop country and every once in a while <laughs> there's a james durbin you know and mm -hmm. I feel like you made it so far, like you and Chris Daughtry, I think are probably the two like Both near fourth. yeah, fourth place. Right. So like <laughs> final rounds. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge tribute, I think. And I don't know. I mean, I think that says a lot because, you know, rock right now in this country is kind of not that well thought of and even then too and to see a rocker like I, I feel like you were an underdog right within my group of people watching idol at the time it's like there's no way they're going to put through a rocker and like week after week it's like james is still in J james could take mm -hmm. it you know there could be a rocker finally and um i feel like there was like a a country rocker later whose name escapes me but i think he Caleb johnson did he win it i think he yeah, won it Cal right Caleb johnson won it yeah and yes. he, sing, he sings for Meatloaf's band now. Um, oh, wow. And tours mm. with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra every year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course, for us, being from the Area 831 podcast, you and Idol was a huge thing locally. It was huge. Yeah, yeah my the homecoming that they let me have, uh, which normally the homecoming is reserved for the top three. Um, Santa Cruz was so diligent uh, as a community to want to continue yeah. Uh, to to do the celebration um that, that i think that they were going to do it with with or without me <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that they were like well you know idol would be better if you sent him um and to this day it, it remains to be the largest public gathering of human bodies in in living human bodies in in the history of santa cruz uh, i gotta use that which, for trivia night that's really tops nice. <laughs> tops thirty thousand. yeah 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 where was it where where, where was it I was at, it was at the boardwalk Oh, at the boardwalk. Okay. Yeah, there's like a parade yeah. right down ocean or somewhere. There's a parade down at the boardwalk. I yeah. Down, down beach street. Um, was a huge procession. The Santa Cruz high band, uh, marching band was playing. Um, I was in, uh, like a convertible Mustang. I think that nice. they, didn't, they didn't give me, they didn't give it to me. Um, <laughs> and, and all of the, uh, police and fire and everybody was down there and it was it was absolute pandemonium just type in durban day santa cruz uh on youtube and and 
it pops up like it is is a sea a sea of people like this and the crazy thing is is that one of those nights that i had sang at um the surf bowl uh, at coasters uh down at the boardwalk bowl um at karaoke i walked over they had just put up the stage for the summer mm. concerts and i walked over it was nighttime i walked through the arcade um and i walked out to the stage and i they hadn't put like the fence up around it yet ah. so i climbed up onto the stage and i stood there and i planted a seed that one day I'm going to stand here and one day I'm going to see people are going to come to hear me sing. I just know it. I just have this feeling that is just impenetrable that this is definitely going to happen sometime in my life. And then to be standing there and literally it, it is just a absolute mass of people that we have to like drive, like people have to clear a road for us to drive a truck onto the beach to park the like just absolute madness as far as the eye can see of just people covering, littering the boardwalk, littering wow. the beach in every direction. You know, that story about the stage. I think if you, if you Googled power of intention, there's a photograph of you up there somewhere. I'm, I'm looking at one right now. I, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know it was on this page. It's, uh, yeah. uh, that must've well, just felt so cool and so fulfilling at that time. Yeah, and it still does. It's it's it feels like a dream, honestly. Like there was so much going on at the time that even going back home to Santa Cruz and and like the biggest thing was getting to see my 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 wife and our son Hunter, uh, who's about to turn fourteen, and like just seeing them and knowing that I was home only for literally like twenty four hours before I had to go to New York and go do all this press and everything. Like I had just, I like, I was going to go do Ellen. I was going to go do uh, Regis and, uh, and ended up doing um, uh, Jimmy Fallon and then Leno. Like I had just done Leno when they told me that I was going to get to go home and do my homecoming. I was mm -hmm. backstage at Leno um, between commercials and cause I was sitting in with the band um it's just so crazy just such, wow like, wow such a crazy thing like i just look at the list of like people and places and like like i got regis philbin to say give metal a chance on on <laughs> nas <laughs> national cable you know like, that should be just, a t-shirt that should be should a t-shirt <laughs> yeah. metal a chance yeah. regis yeah. Yeah. yeah wow yeah, so it think... sounds like it sounds like your wife Heidi is obviously a, a big supporter of you, and it sounds like she's just been there with you through all of this. Ichiban, number one, she is absolutely, mm, yeah, yeah, so still sweet. is. So yeah, we're we've uh, we're celebrating 15 years together. So it's it's having like, a partner behind what you're doing is very important. <laughs> behind every you know a successful idiot, there's a um, yeah, there's a woman <laughs> who told him what to do. You know? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. told him what told him what not to do, and he did Back it anyway. To, well, most importantly. Yeah. <laughs> I like it yeah. going back to like the, the Haiti of Idol. I like Emily's point about, you know, voting live. And, and you were saying, James, that we had to, that's back when Netflix came in a disc in the mail for you, for you kids listening, ask your grandparents what the mail was. Um, <laughs> but this is before the era of, of like every channel streaming and everything like literally at your fingertips, to, mm -hmm. but Idol was live and you had mm -hmm. to watch it live. And so people it was did much, faithfully. Yeah. 
yeah. you know and and I, I think that's where the the viewership and the all of that came from is going back and looking I, I go back and look at the wikipedia page that reminds me of every every date and everything that yeah. happened um to know and remember like oh yeah that's the oh anniversary of this and you know this year is i think 12 years uh since everything like this this coming friday will be the uh 12 year anniversary since i sang uprising on idol mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like that was such a it's like not every single performance but that one especially is one that i get asked so much about and told like oh when you came out with the marching band and you sang and screamed and the matt bellamy of muse challenged you to sing the higher octave and the song and and all that like people remind me of things constantly and and i just reflect and stop and and remember like oh yeah that happened like i'm so focused on now and focused on what's next that to you know stop and and remember that and mm-hmm. kind of put myself back in that time frame of um knowing that i'm having to prove myself and having to prove myself to america to you know stay another week um or ultimately the producers right. because they're pulling the strings um <laughs> it's just us talk it's just us talking it's just yeah. us talking yes. <laughs> oh, nobody knows. yeah yeah people uh, vote and they take that into consideration but sure. I mean, it is a tv show so it's the electoral college creating... of American Idol. Exactly. They are. It's just two British dudes with a, you know, a, a black American express card. James, you, this is a kind of a good segue. You're talking about like, what's next, right? Like, okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's in the rear view for you. And, you know, but what, what's, what's cooking for James Durbin today and tomorrow? <laughs> well, um, today, uh, tostada with, uh, refried, refried black beans and some sort nice. of meat and salsa a little tahine Ooh, um nice. that's what's Nicely cooking done. Um, <laughs> thank you I'm, I'm on i'm on the weight watchers uh, uh gotta watch my points but it's great. We actually we do have a question for you you're bringing up mexican food so oh. living in watsonville and growing up in santa cruz do you have a favorite taqueria because we, we've all talked about our favorite Ooh. in watsonville comes so up a lot yeah. <laughs> oh gosh what is our favorite in watsonville i forget what it's called though um it's on 129 and main street the corner next to mcdonald's they have a drive-through um and they oh, it have, used to like, be El that, place has, that place has the best tacos they yeah. have taco tuesday and it's like a buck 50 per taco on tuesdays wow. and yeah we've 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 sunk a lot of dough there um i've never been to there i've never been to that one they have I've, a been to, I've been to yeah. the uh the truck yeah. they have across the street el volcan like is there every night and that truck is amazing um i haven't but... tried any of the trucks um what's the other one we got it's uh, something taqueria something dose and it's on east lake well technically west lake at that point um across from the this is funny it's either across from or next to the laundromat and the hair salon because <laughs> there's a thousand laundromats and hair salons in watsonville <laughs> that's pretty we've much lit- the entire town we've literally driven in like a you know of a, a five block radius and been like all right how many hair salons versus how many laundromats Go past the taqueria, make a left, go down two taquerias, make a right at the taqueria. I have a song called if you Now. You hit it's the a laundromat, taqueria. you've gone yeah. too far. Yeah. I have a song called Now It's a Taqueria. I'll send you the video. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of ranch milk, actually. I'm lately Los Pericos. But, uh, mm, yeah, ranch yeah. milk. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about ranch milk. Yeah, good stuff. Also, ranch I can't milk get fan. past the name. 
Yeah. Yeah, don't let the name fool you. Don't let the okay. name fool you. You know the yeah. history behind the history behind that? I do not. When 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 I was a kid, um it was called Ranch Monkey. You would drive up to get gas and they would bring you they would it was a basically a drive up grocery store. They'd bring you mm. milk, eggs, and bread. So it wow. was like a little drive up drive through gas station grocery store. So when they rebooted, they kept the name. In the same location there? On, yeah, exact same location. Green yeah. Valley. Nice. A little piece of so little yeah. piece of Watsonville history. Very cool. Yeah. You just you walk through the gas station store and then there's a full restaurant in there, full bar, a bunch of good beers on tap. It's it's pretty great. Yeah. Great nice. food. Yeah. 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 I gotta I gotta cool do that. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So how can people find you these days and what are you what are you up to these days? Yeah. Post, so I post idol, you've got the Lost Boys, your your backing band, and you're very, very busy. Yes. Um, yeah, I play with uh, the Lost Boys locally in Santa Cruz, as well as sometimes you can find me doing uh, James Durbin Unplugged, which is my solo acoustic uh, shindig. Um, I'm doing a kind of a um, every other month residency at Cottage Creek Vineyards in Morgan Hill uh, with my just my solo acoustic. Occasionally I'll have a, uh, a companyist guitar player out there with me. Um, the Lost Boys is a four-piece, all locals, um, 80s cover band. It's a uh, fun band. It's a fun thank band. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I like your poster behind you. <laughs> By the way, I got it just in time for this interview. Perfect. <laughs> got it. You got it. Uh, sun, sun damaged and everything. It's got that. Exactly. Um, we're we're playing. Uh, commit to the gimmick. That's what you got to do. Um, uh, it's that old school wrestling mentality. Uh, you got to stick with it. It's how you sell T-shirts. But mm -hmm. uh, we're playing with the Lost Boys next Tuesday, May 9th. We are kicking off the Santa Cruz Wharf concert series, summer Saw concert that. series. Awesome. Um, that is free to the public. All you got to do is pay your uh, your parking slip on the way out. Uh, after that, next public show is uh, also in May, Friday, May 26th. We're doing a summer kickoff show at Bruno's Bar and Grill in Scotts oh, Valley. Fun. We just did um, recently a uh, – it's it's pretty intimate there, um, which is – but it's also really cool. I really enjoy that because uh, having played such – you know, having the fortune of playing really big places also, and I love doing the summer concert series where it's just a you know sea of people. Um, it's really nice to just get in a small sweaty stage and uh, and slog it out for a couple hours with some upstairs. Fans. It's the upstairs at Brino's, right? Yeah, upstairs. Yeah, that's at a Brino's. nice space. I'm, yeah, they're uh, they just redid the stage, I believe, and they're uh, redoing the, uh, the the ceiling in there also. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. Not such. I'm not gonna hit the hit the ceiling like I did almost last time. Uh, we did a really fun uh, St. Patrick's Day party um, that sold out in uh, like three days. So um, tickets literally just went on sale for that. Uh, that is Friday, May 26th. Thanks for listening. Uh, at Bruno's in Scotts Valley. Um, and then following that, next show for me will be, uh, like I said, at Cottage Creek Vineyards uh, in Morgan Hill, which is another nice, um, uh, pretty intimate, but they have a really nice uh, place out there. And I play in a truck bed, which is pretty cool. And that is Sunday, June 11th. Uh, other than that, as far as my music goes, um, the music that I've been creating lately is in that classic heavy metal um, genre, uh, new wave of classic and traditional or British heavy metal in that kind of Dio, Judas Priest, um, Iron Maiden sense, uh, as far as like the big pillars uh, that you can uh, identify. Um, and those are through Frontiers uh, Music, SRL, record label based out of uh, Naples, Italy. And um, super stoked with that. I just signed another record deal to uh, do a second Durban album, which uh, I'm uh, into uh, at the moment. And that should be out um, 
probably early 2024. Um, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that with us. And the Absolutely. website, yeah, and the website is, and the uh, website is jamesdurbanofficial.com. That is uh, James, spelled the traditional way. Durban, not the South African way. It was D-U-R-B-I-N, uh, not the South African or um, uh, marijuana strain, which is with an A. <laughs> you got to spell it with an I. Um, but if you put it into Google, I'm sure it'll redirect you. Uh, it's also James at James Durbin Official on Instagram, which is where I uh, am most of the time. Uh, but if you're on Facebook, it is Durbin Rock or just James Durbin. I'm the only verified James Durbin across all platforms. Uh, I got the blue check. Didn't have to pay nice. for it. It was given to me because <laughs> I am verifiably, yeah, James undeniably Durbin. James Durbin. <laughs> Nice. We'll, we'll, we'll put these links in the podcast notes too. I think we could probably talk another hour and a half. Maybe sometime we will. I think easily a lot part of, two. A, we have we have friends to come and we haven't talked about. Maybe we'll do that next time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks so much for talking with us. This has been really fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Keep rocking. Keep in touch. Do. Thank you for listening to our first real episode of the Area Eight Three One podcast. We have more coming up. And Emily, can you remind people how they can find us again? Yes, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And our handle is Area831Podcast. So please check us out. Give us some love. We thank you for your support. So head on down to your favorite podcasting store and find us on your favorite podcasting app, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us there. Subscribe. And if you know somebody from Santa Cruz you think might be a good guest, let us know. 